Hello, fellow humans. And welcome to the Creatures Podcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Emily. And welcome to episode three. Episode three. Trace. Trace. I know no other Spanish. <laughs> I Trace haven't language. taken Spanish in like five years. <laughs> Same, and I got straight C's, baby. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, so I think we're just going to jump right into today's case. Um, we are going to be talking about the case of Winnie Ruth Judd, which is... Wait, in Winnie, old- is that a woman? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's an old-timey case. It's from the 1920s. So, so 100 years ago. I know, almost. Damn. All right. So where we're going to begin, we're going to start talking about Winnie Ruth Judd herself. She was born Winnie Ruth McKinnell in 1905 in Darlington, Indiana. She was the daughter of a Methodist minister, and she had a brother named Burton who attended the University of Southern California. Winnie and Burton. I know. Wait, I Winnie... love her name. It makes me really upset that she's a murderer because I love her name. Like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Oh, bother. <laughs> <laughs> At age 19, Winnie married 41-year-old Dr. William Judd, which is where she gets her last name. Mm-hmm. They moved all over the U.S. before settling in Los Angeles, California. Their marriage was not good. Where is Indiana? So we're in Pennsylvania. It's kind of like a little bit west. So they moved like so they were in they the moved like yeah they moved like across and they the moved country. Oh, in the twenties. Damn, they mm-hmm. were running from something. <laughs> I know or they, they wanted were... like something new, like a fresh start. I'm not entirely sure like the reasons why they moved, yeah. but um, yeah. <clears throat> While they were there, Dr. William became a drug addict, and Winnie had gotten diagnosed with tuberculosis, so she, they had to kind of, like, suffer through that and try and get through that. But. Did she have it in Indiana? Because that would be a good reason as to why they would move. Because back then, before they really knew how to treat it, they would suggest uh, fresh food and clean air and, like, warm weather and dry Areas. I'm not sure. Or was I didn't it, was find it moist a, areas. I can't remember. I couldn't find a date on like when they moved. I just know that they did move. Mm. In 1930, Winnie left William. He left. She left him in California, and she moved to Phoenix, Arizona, where she was 25 years old at the time. She got a job as a secretary at the Grunro Clinic. I never want to live in Arizona. Me neither. It's Arizona too, sounds awful. It's so dry and hot. And I used to watch some YouTubers, and they explain, and they both grew up in Arizona, and they explained how much they hate Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I don't do well in like really hot areas, so no, I sweat. Maybe I'll so go much. live in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> I love Maine. Lobsters. Yeah. <laughs> she became friends with 32-year-old X-ray technician Agnes Ann Leroy and her 24-year-old roommate Hedvig Sammy Samuelson. So she goes what? by Sammy. What a feminist uh, group. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like an x-ray lady in the 20s? I know. Wow. She really had a good job. Yeah. So throughout their friendship, a little down the lane, Winnie moved in with the girls and they all became roommates. They and they would... were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> they played cards and they would entertain local businessmen. Uh, I don't really know what that means, but... Um, yeah, apparently they did that. <laughs> let's just, mm, let's read into it, but not read into yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want to, like, assume that they're doing anything, yeah. like, promiscuous. Not that it would matter. Get that coin. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Winnie then started dating a man nicknamed Happy, but his real name was Jack Halloran. Um, she never divorced Dr. William, so this was technically, like, really, really bad because Jack was also married and she was technically married, so this was, like, an affair times two. I mean, didn't she move, like, away? She did, but they didn't legally divorce. Yeah. They're still legally married. She just left. Now, a little bit after she started dating Jack, she moved out of the shared apartment and into one of her own a few blocks away. Um, And I've seen a lot of reports that said the reason for this move was because of roommate conflicts, specifically between Winnie and Agnes. But even though Winnie had moved away, their girls' night still continued, which I think is kind of cute. Love it. Spa night. Everyone, or the one... Like, the girls' night where they entertain local businessmen? Yeah. (laughs) And play cards. Don't forget the cards. Okay, yeah, 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 cards. (laughs) Now, here's where we get into the murder. On Friday night, October 16th, 1931, Winnie went to the girls' apartment for one of their girls' nights. They had dinner and drinks and all was going well until a fight between all three of them broke out because Agnes and Sammy voiced their disliking of happy now they really didn't like him somehow a gun was pulled and agnes and sammy were both fatally shot but winnie was also shot in the left hand kind of like it's really hard to figure out what happened we're gonna go more into theories a little bit later this is just like the initial report I I really want to know what they were fighting about Happy, why they didn't like him. I did see in a few places that perhaps Agnes was also seeing Happy, and that was, like, a big, like, conflict between them. Like, it was, like, an open relationship, or, like, it was no, just like it was outward not. cheating? Like, yes. it was, like, very blatant cheating. Well, they were already cheating. Both Winnie and Happy were married. They're now, all... While Winnie wasn't living with her husband and she didn't want to be married to him, from a legal standpoint, she yeah. was still married. It was probably very, very, very difficult for a woman to divorce her husband Oh, back then. for sure. Uh, after the two had died, Judd and an accomplice that is highly suspected to be happy then stuffed Agnes, Agnes's body into a black suitcase and Sammy was supposedly too big to fit into a suitcase, so they dismembered her. This poor girl. Yeah. I don't think I could fit in a suitcase. I'd have to be dismembered. Mm, I would also have to be dismembered. (laughs) Her head, torso, and lower legs were placed into a black suitcase, while her upper legs were placed into a smaller beige hat box. In my head, a head would be better for a hat box. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) They, uh, they were just stuffing them in there. Yeah. Oh. So two days later, on Sunday, October 18th, 1931, Winnie, with her bandaged hand, because remember, she was shot in the hand, Mm -hmm. boarded the overnight Golden State Limited passenger train from Phoenix to Los Angeles, carrying the two suitcases with the bodies of her friends. I don't get how, I think we, we looked at a picture of her together. She's a tiny lady. How did she get those bodies in those suitcases? Dismember. Wait, she had medical knowledge, right? Nope. Nope. How did she dismember those bodies, get them in suitcases, even one that was too big for just a suitcase? I don't understand how this, like, 100-pound, 5-foot, like, 4 woman. Like, 100 pounds wet. Like, a tiny lady. 
Uh, I don't understand how she could have, like, carried these suitcases and gotten them on the train all by herself or gotten, like, anywhere with them. Like, Happy definitely Um, was a lot more involved. Oh, yeah. During the train ride, workers became suspicious of the of the, her bags because of their foul stench and the fact that there were liquids seeping out of them, which is disgusting. That's literally like blood one of the descriptions and just decomp in Five Nights at Freddy's. Ew. Baggage handler H.J. Mapes alerted Arthur V. Johnson, who was an L.A. baggage agent. That he believed it was contraband deer meat, which, uh, during this time, deer meat was frequently smuggled via trains on the West Coast. So, like, their thought of what it was was totally valid. Unfortunately, they were very off. Different kind of meat. Ew. Ew. (laughs) So, he tagged her bags for inspection and just kind of, like, set them aside for after the train ride to be, like, more thoroughly investigated and inspected. Yeah. Um, he did ask Winnie for the keys because they were locked suitcases, but she just stated that she didn't have them, which, suspicious, you're on a train and you don't have the keys to your bag? That seems really bad. They should ask Happy. Well, Happy wasn't with her. She was the only person on the train. Mm-hmm. So Winnie arrived in L.A. where her she had her brother Burton pick her up, and he had absolutely no idea about what happened. He is genuinely innocent. I have an idea. I have a theory. Maybe she traveled by train so that she'd get caught with the bodies, and Happy wouldn't. Possibly. It was just an, it was an overnight train, yeah. so I believe she was in okay. she was in L.A. by the next day. Because it was the twenties. Other, like, there wasn't as much, like, there were, there were phones, but, like, were, were there? There were. Yeah, but, like, the... Yeah, they're the wall phones, yeah. like, they're a pain in the ass, like, you have to talk to a lady, be like, hey, lady, call this number, get me connected to that, and it's like... Yeah. Yeah, and it's expensive as hell, and, like, the police, like, sections, like, they're really isolated with each other, so they wouldn't be able to communicate as fast. Mm-hmm. So, that's my theory. that that's a good theory honestly i can kind of see that that would make a lot of sense they probably thought that she would maybe get lesser sentence because sexism you know (laughs) (laughs) it's not what sexism does against you but what sexism can do for you (laughs) gotta gotta work that system (laughs) winnie arrived in la she just left her suitcases behind the train and at 4 30 p.m anderson who was the baggage agent Called an LAPD to report this suspicious dripping luggage. Poor Anderson. They picked the locks and discovered the gruesome corpses of Agnes Ann Leroy and Hedvig Sammy Samuelson. Out of all of like, uh, like out of all like the crime and like history stuff, I've heard so much about like what like burning flesh smells like, what rotting flesh. I you... never want to smell it. I hear so much about how, like, as soon as you hear, you smell decomp, you know you it's know decomp. Exactly. And I have been fortunate enough to really not yeah. know what that smells like. And honestly, I I don't do well with bad smells. I really don't. I'm not I'm not out here trying to smell <laughs> it. <laughs> there are two things I'm very happy to never have experienced. I've never seen a cockroach in real life. I don't know how that's happened. Really? I've never seen a cockroach in person. Ever. I'm I think s- I have. It will happen sooner or later, but Oh, they're disgusting. It. They fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have not smelled rotting flesh. 
Mm-mm. Those are two things I'm very glad I've never experienced. Knock on wood. <laughs> At the same time that the police discovered the bags, Burton dropped his sif- sister off somewhere in L.A. where she went into hiding until Friday, October 23rd, which was a week later. She walked into a funeral home and just turned herself in. Honestly, good on her. She probably feels bad. She should. She should feel bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, these poor girls. Like, they were all young women, right? Mm-hmm. At this point, the murders had become headline news, like, across the entire country, and journalists began giving her an assortment of names. Are you ready? Yes. Tiger Woman. Hot. Blonde Butcher. Hot. And then the final name that they came came to was the Trunk Murderess, and then the murders themselves were called the Trunk Murders because of the yeah. fact that they were stuffed into suitcase trunks. They missed the hat box. I, I'm joking about this a lot, but it's just because I've heard this before. Mm-hmm. I feel so bad for these girls. This is this is literally horrific, and I I'm very tired today, so I feel like my I'm a little <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm very monotone, and I apologize, but I truly cannot fathom like these were her best friends, you know? I like like they she entertained business over men a together. Guy, she killed these. She killed her best friends over a stupid guy. A stupid man. And then not only. Not only did she kill them, but she horrifically dismembered one of them and just was so Stuffed abusive to their corpses. Stuffed like, their friends in a freaking hat you box. Just, you just murdered your best friends. The absolute least you can do is, like, be respectful of their bodies. Give like them a proper burial. That's not even anything because obviously you shouldn't just kill them in the first place, but... You you transported them across state lines too, which that, is a really big thing. Oh yeah, it's just that extra like spit on the ground in it front of them. It is, and it's just it's so evil. It feels so evil to me. It really does. I mean, murder is evil in oh, most yeah. circumstances. Mm-hmm. So now we're gonna get into the investigation. And I would like to preface the investigation with a very scathing, sarcastic. Thank you to the LAPD, because (laughs) you guys, chef's kiss, you guys are fucking stupid. So goddamn stupid. They would probably be even more ACAB than they are now. (laughs) Yeah. So, on Monday, October 19th, Phoenix police entered Leroy and Samuelson's apartment. But not just police. Um, They didn't tape off this literal crime scene. Neighbors and reporters were allowed and encouraged to go in who proceeded to trample and contaminate all of the evidence in the apartment, as well as ruining the integrity of the crime scene. Like, ooh, look at this bloodstain. Ooh. Yep. <clears throat> then, the victim's disgusting and greedy landlord placed an ad in the Arizona Republic and Phoenix Evening Gazette newspapers charging 10 cents a person for a three-room tour of the crime scene. I'm going to look up how much 20 cents, 20 cents or 10 10 cents? cents. What is 10 cents inflation? So a dollar was worth like 19.23, so 20 bucks. So 10 cents would be like if I'm doing this two bucks. Is that the is that the right math? Mm-hmm. Because twenty divided by so he was charging like two dollars a person. Yeah. Okay. Damn. Still so shitty. That is so shitty. That's 
that's like two bucks. Yeah. This, these ads in the papers attracted hundreds of people, and so many people came through and walked through this crime scene that judge defense team said during the trial, quote, by the advertisements in the newspapers, the entire population of Maricopa County visited that place. I looked up what the, I, like, looked up the Arizona census for 1920, um, I, I wonder Maricopa were... County had a population of 89,576 people. That is thousands of people. Tens of thousands mm-hmm. of people. Now, obviously, then, I don't think 90,000 people actually walked through this, but I definitely think it could be in the thousands. Oh, definitely. Especially if, this, if like, the trunk burners were as popular. And maybe people even and it came was across, from out of state. That's what I think. Like, this was nationwide headline news. I think a lot of people probably traveled to go see it, especially oh, yeah. if they heard you could walk through the crime scene. <laughs> like, some people are so fucked up. And, like, this is this is very common, especially in older cases. Like, you Miss- were kind of just invited in. Yeah. Like, a- civilians could just walk through, like, murder scenes. Especially with a lot of celebrity cases. If mm-hmm. they die, like, in... I heard this one of, like, a celebrity who died in, like... A celebrity, like, hotel or apartment complex. Like, Cecil Hotel type. Yeah, and as soon as they heard the scream, like, everybody started shuffling in and seeing what was going on. Mm-hmm. That's awful. People are so... I'm, like, I'm a nosy person, but, like, I'm not a murder scene nosy person. Yeah, especially if it's, like... I wouldn't want to get my fingerprints on the crime scene. You know, like, last week we talked about Alan... The, the, um, their murders in Allentown, and, like, yeah. I could have driven past the houses, but this is also nearly 30 years after those events took place and I'm not walking through an active crime scene. Yeah. And I didn't even go to the places. But I wouldn't walk in. I'd drive past and just kind of, like, put a picture of, like, a mental note of what the house looks like, Um, like, what the streets look like. You know, it's, like, that type of thing is what I find interesting. That'd be so... That'd be, like, an out-of-body experience almost. Yeah, it seems very weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Arizona police say and maintain... That they believe both women were shot in their beds while they slept. Which but there was a, but there was like a struggle, wasn't that right, like I, shown? See, you can't really tell because the crime scene was so messed up. It's really hard to figure out what happened. But if they did, were if they were killed in their sleep, I don't think they were killed in their beds because the stories that um, Winnie tells everybody is that it was an argument that started this. I don't think they were killed in their sleep. But if on, like, the off chance, Mm -hmm. then that would definitely mean that Happy killed them, and maybe she was trying to, like, stop it, and that's how she got shot in the hand. I think that's possible, but... There's so many options. This is almost like a case of, like, unsolved. Even though she was prosecuted. It is. is. This is technically a solved case, but it's kind of unsolved. Yeah. And that is... Partially due to how poorly this crime yeah. scene was t- like, treated. They didn't do DNA and like fingerprints in the twenties, right? I I don't want to give don't a definite know. answer, but I'm gonna guess no. I know DNA was not a thing, but fingerprinting, I don't know. I'm gonna look it up. Okay. And I just found in the ni- the nineteen thirties is when it was first discovered. So fingerprinting? Yeah. So this was very new. This was 1931. So it might have been the mid-30s. It might have been. So even if it did exist, it'd be very new and very on most, like, little um, uh, police stations wouldn't even be using it. Nah, definitely not. Their mattresses 
were missing when police entered the home, so who knows who had gotten to them first. They found one of the two mattresses a few miles away in a vacant lot, but it had no blood stains on it. And the other mattress is still missing. No explanation was ever given to who took them and why only one was found. And so that more leads me to think that they were not killed in their beds because the one mattress that was found didn't even have any blood stains. Yeah, and there definitely be blood stains. Uh, we're going to be getting into her trial and conviction now. Winnie's trial began on January 19th, 1932. She was not being persecuted for the murder and dismemberment of Sammy. She was only being tried for Leroy's murder. So I don't really understand why they weren't trying her for both murders and they're only for one. I don't, I couldn't find any information as to why that was I wonder what was happened what to, like, her murder. I know, because Sammy deserves justice. Like, she really does. I'm, I don't know. Wait, which one was the one that was too, which one was the girl that was too big to fit Sammy in? was the one who got dismembered. Damn, like, she got done dirty the most. The prosecution argued that the murders were premeditated as well as the three women's friendship had been deteriorating for a long time due to Happy. So they're essentially saying that Winnie knew her friends didn't like Happy, but she wanted to be with him, so she just killed her friends. <laughs> Which, I mean... It, it's happened. That has happened. Obviously, that's not rational. <laughs> Doesn't really make sense to me, but... Yeah, something's fishy. Mm-hmm. The prosecution also said that Judd self-inflicted the gunshot wound in order to claim self-defense. But off the record, Judd claimed self-defense, but on the record, she never claimed self-defense. I wonder what uh, her dominant hand is. I'm not sure. I wonder if you got shot in her dominant hand or a non-dominant hand. Yeah, I don't know. Now, Winnie claimed off the record that she acted in self-defense because the argument with the two of them had gotten physically violent. And I'm gonna say this again, there's probably no mortician that was like, ah, yes, there's bruises on this body, and like right. this and this. So there's not any of that, because it was the 20s. Yes, this is such an, this is so unfortunate for so many reasons. Like, everything was handled very poorly. So it's just... It's really hard to figure out what really happened. Winnie's defense team went for an insanity plea, and on February 8th, the jury found Winnie Ruth Judd guilty of first-degree murder, and she was sentenced to be hanged February 17th, 1933. They really go for the insanity a lot. They do. Because it's not easy, but, like, to them it's easy. You kind of just have to, like, get Mm -hmm. a psychiatrist to say it. I've seen some stuff of, like, uh... Teenager, I watched this video, it was like, teenagers, uh, their reactions when they realized, when they found out that they got life sentences mm-hmm. for murder, and, like, it was, like, them, like, screaming or, like, really extreme reactions, and then someone in the comments said, it's because all of those guys were pleading for insanity, so they were playing it up. Yeah. She was sent to Arizona State Prison in Florence, Arizona. Her team repe- appealed the death sentence multiple times, but it got rejected. She was still found guilty, even after... They had received four sworn affidavits from jurors saying that they only voted for the death sentence because former Mesa mayor Dan Kleinman said it was the best way to get Judd to give up any accomplices. 
So this was just complete jury misconduct. What the hell? The jury's like, we don't want to kill her. We just want to put her in prison. Yeah. Damn. Evidence was then uncovered that Kleinman, if he were on the jury, told people that he would have convicted her and sent her to the gallows. Oh, yeah, the gat, like, the hangings happened in the 20s. Yeah. Now, Winnie's team lodged two appeals saying that Kleinman's behavior was juror misconduct, but unfortunately, neither were successful. So, I think that is truly unfortunate because, you know, obviously, we're not definite on the details of what happened of the murder, but even if she is the murderer, she... She still has full right to having a fair trial. Oh, definitely. That's... And the fact that a mayor was able to so heavily influence four jurors that completely changed how, like, her sentence went is just ridiculous. I'm just going to say this right now. I'm definitely biased because she is a woman. Mm-hmm. And from, like, the descriptions of the case, I'm just very suspicious mm-hmm. of Happy. I am, too. She definitely played a role. Oh, definitely. I don't know what her role was, but she definitely played a role. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same with Jack, though. He definitely had a role in this. I just don't know exactly what it was. And what degree was it, you know? Right. Was he the one who actually killed them, or did he only do the dismemberment? Did he only hide the bodies? Like, we, we don't truly, truly know the actual full details. Because everybody sucks in this case. Mm hmm. Now, as for Winnie, her death sentence was overturned after a 10-day hearing that found her mentally incompetent. And she was then transferred from the Arizona State Prison to Arizona State Asylum for the Insane on April 24th, 1933. Those asylums were like torture chambers. Oh yeah, not much better than prison. Not at all. Now, I did find a little bit about some stuff that happened to Jack, but it's not true justice by any means. During Winnie's trial, the affair between her and Jack became very public, and he was highly suspected of being that accomplice that she had. He was indicted on December 30th, 1932, after a new testimony came out from Winnie. A preliminary hearing was held in January 1933 with Winnie as the star witness. She gave an emotional three-day-long testimony where she said, quote, I am going to be hanged for something Jack Halloran is responsible for. I was convicted of murder, but I shot in self-defense. Three days. Jack Halloran removed every bit of evidence he is responsible for me going through all of this. He is guilty of anything I am guilty of. So that just kind of... That's right there. Like That really furthers that he did have something to do with this. And he, from this testimony, it sounds like he was the one who actually shot them. So, like, according to this testimony, the theory in my head is that when he got into an argument with her two friends... It got violent. She did shoot in self-defense, but I think somehow Jack stepped in. Maybe he was there and just decided that he was just going to kill them, get rid of them. I don't know. Like, I really can't think of like, a good reason for why this would happen. People suck. They do. Especially happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
the girl who murdered her friends. Now, Whitney said she testified that a fight broke out between them after Jack was accused of cheating. She met up with Jack and brought him to the apartment. They went to the garage, grabbed the trunks, and he told her not to tell anyone. She then admitted that she repacked Sammy's dismembered body two days after the murder. Ew. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't know her exact role, but she definitely, definitely played some role. If she didn't yeah. kill him herself, she helped cover it up. She, she went on that train with the bodies. Exactly. She repacked it to make it fit better. Like, that's just... Uh, ugh. Poor, poor Sammy. I know. Poor Sammy and Agnes. Now, during Jack's trial, he never took the stand, and he later told people that Winnie's story was nothing more than, quote, the story of an insane person. You dated her. Yep. Now, unfortunately, due to Winnie claiming self-defense, Jack technically didn't commit a crime. Which is bullshit. Definitely. So, on January 25th, 1933, Jack was freed because the state's case was inconsistent. Uh, fortunately, though, he died six years later in Tucson. <laughs> so, he didn't last long, but I hope he got, like, killed in, like, a bar fight. That'd be funny. I hope so. <laughs> During Winnie's uh, time in prison and time in the asylum, she escaped many times. Uh, she escaped six times, to be exact. And six times. once she even got to Yuma, which is along the Southern Pacific Railroad track. Her last escape was on October, eight, October 8th, 1963. She escaped using a key to the front door that was given to her by a friend. She knew people. And she just walked out the front door. Damn. She That's... ended up in San Francisco Bay and became a live-in maid for a wealthy family under the name Marianne Kane. Or Marianne Lane. I saw both. One of, one of the other. It's similar. Yeah. She was with them for six years before they, like, revealed her, before she, like, uncovered her true identity somehow. Did she, like, I wonder how that happened. I don't know. I don't know if I, if I found out that, like, a maid that I had was, like, mm-hmm. a convicted murderer, murderer and, like, she escaped, escaped prison. prison. Yeah. I don't know how I would feel. (laughs) Pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) Not good. After her identity was uncovered, she was taken back to Arizona on August 18th, 1969. There, she hired defense attorney Melvin Belly, who hired Larry Debu, or Debus, I'm not sure how to say it. I think it's Debu. Seems French. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Governor Jack Williams of Arizona agreed to release Judd if it was kept hush-hush, but Belly went against this and held a pre- press conference calling for her immediate release. Okay. Uh, this forced Debut to fire him. But in the end, on December 22nd, 1971, when he was released on parole. In 1983, Arizona issued her an absolute discharge, which meant she was no longer on parole and she had, like, fulfilled all of her requirements for the sentence i'm so glad that she was not like what's it called oh yeah given the death sentence me too i i don't know how i feel about her being let out yeah how many years was she in she was on parole for like 15 years okay she was in the asylum for a while but like 
she escaped six times. I, you know, did she really fulfill that? Yeah. She escaped for six years at one point. Like, you guys didn't know where she was for six years. They didn't, and they didn't even, like, add six years to her sentence. Right. Fortunately, like, she never had any violence after. She never committed another crime, any kind of new offenses. These murders were kind of like a one-and-done type thing for her. But I don't... I don't think she should have been hanged for it because I think that's awful. Yeah. But I don't, I, I don't know how I feel about her being let out, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah. <sighs> now, after she was completely finished and she got her absolute discharge, she returned to that family in San Francisco and continued working for them for a few years. I wonder... She must have been like, a damn good maid. Oh, yeah. I wonder if, or, like, <laughs> I wonder if they were, like, oh, we miss her. Well, like, we should, we should, I wonder if they, like, wrote notes to her while she was, like, part of the rest me, of her sentence. Part of me want, is curious if they believed it. Like, maybe. I wonder if they thought she was innocent, and that's why they were okay with having yeah, her. Maybe they found out a lot sooner than, like, the authorities thought. And maybe she, she told them something. more than she told, yeah. like, authorities. Because maybe, you know, obviously she was very let down by this system. Oh, definitely. Maybe she trusted them, told them a little bit more, told them the real story, perhaps. I, I don't know. We don't know. We we'll don't never know. know. We'll never know because it was in the 30s. Yeah. In the 20s. She lived with that family and continued working for a few years until she moved to Stockton, California. And then she stayed there for a little bit until she moved back to Phoenix, where she died on October 23rd, 1998, at the age of 93. So she lived a pretty, a really long time. That's a long life. Creepily, she died exactly 67 years after she turned herself in. Journalist Jaina Bomersock wrote a book titled The Trunk Murderess, Winnie Ruth Judd. Throughout this book, she re-examines the entire case where she even interviewed Winnie herself before she passed. I, this is serious, because, you know, book writer Bombersock. It's a funny last name. (laughs) (laughs) It is a funny last name. She concluded that the police, prosecution, and media were highly biased against Judd. And she even uncovered evidence that suggested she was innocent this is really hard kind of just because of how ruined that crime scene was with how popular that case was it's obvious there'd be some bias just as much bias as there'd be with the johnny depp case it was so highly publicized that people really weren't thinking anything other than she did it and I, uh, and, uh, I think that, like, it's just, like, with the parallels with Johnny Depp. I think that definitely he was not in the wrong. But there was so much press with that. And it just, you know, media is just mean. Yeah. She also said that the press created such an atmosphere of prejudice that Winnie never stood a chance to even have a fair trial, which I... I really think that's true. Oh, yeah. Especially with everything that we went over. Oh, yeah. She also found that Phoenix police likely knew who Jack Halloran was and knew him well. And also knew his associates, friends, and other girlfriends. 
corruption in the police force. Some officers did believe that Judd didn't kill anyone, even if it wasn't self-defense. So there were people that, there were officers there who thought she was entirely innocent. But other officers, and this is what Jaina believes, were covering for Halloran and possibly more people. She said that Halloran's exoneration was a miscarriage of justice and a political cover-up. Which I, you know, I kind of feel that. A cab. Especially, <laughs> especially after witnesses saw his gray Packard, which is a luxury car. I had to look that up. Yeah, that sounds at, weird. At the scene the night of the day after the murders. Gina also indicated that Winnie was not physically capable of dismembering Sammy. As we have said prior. Which is kind of what I always thought. According to autopsy photos, which is surprising they even took those. <laughs> Proper procedure? <laughs> what? The dismemberment was performed with a surgical precision that Winnie did not have. And Gina also concluded that Winnie was not capable of lifting or moving the bodies, which is also what I thought. Mm-hmm. She interviewed... Nurse Ann Miller, who worked in the Arizona State Hospital at the time that Winnie was there, and she said that in 1936, Winnie confided in Miller, the nurse, that doctor that a Dr. Brown visited her and was going to confess everything. When Miller told Phoenix police, an attorney responded, quote, I'm sure she told you that. Dr. Brown came up to my office and wanted to tell the whole story. He made an appointment for the next week, but he died the day before the appointment. The day before? Yep. Was it a coincidence? Was it like... He died of heart disease in June 1932 at the age of 44, but some oh. speculate that he was contemplating suicide. That's not old. That's sad. Yeah. 44? They believe that he helped dismember the body because he was a doctor and he had that precision he could have done it because Winnie very like could not have done that herself. De- definitely not. I, I tried to look up real quick how much she weighed. I couldn't find nothing. Based on an early newspaper article, they had said that Leroy Agnes was shot with a large caliber bullet that did not match Winnie's gun and it did not match the wound in Sammy. How is this mentioned later and this was not mentioned in the investigation? That's... Because, because nobody cared about the evidence that they did find. They just wanted to convict her as soon as possible. Ugh. She concluded that at the end, there was not enough evidence to prove that there was premeditation. And she said that Winnie should have been charged with second degree murder instead. Because I, honestly, I kind of, I kind of feel that way too. I don't think this was premeditated. I think this was Heat a, a moment. A crime of passion heat of the moment so i think she should still get a murder conviction but i agree i think it should have been second degree not first degree yeah when you said that she was convicted with like like first, first degree yeah. murder i was like are you sure it seems a bit much yeah because if it's true that it started with a fight then that definitely would not have or like it could have been planned but it definitely wasn't mm-hmm. to me an argument breaks out people get shot that's second degree yeah. She also argued that the jury should have been allowed to hear the self-defense story and they should have been open to it, but they were never allowed to hear what Winnie said because they were so 
dead set on that conviction. And with all the press it was getting. Mm -hmm. She also brought up Kleinman's behavior and the fact that the whole trial was completely unfair due to her conviction. That's the due to one of her to... Yeah, due to jury tampering and juror misconduct. Her complete trial, she should have, if anything, had a retrial. Yeah. Definitely. It's important to note about this book and about Jaina Bomersock, though. Her and Winnie got extremely close through their interviews and through their time talking. So there is speculation that some of the some of her conclusions are a little biased in Winnie's favor. But I mean, what when her I... trial was so biased against her, are we really gonna be mad? <laughs> you know. <laughs> There needs to be something to balance that out. Yeah. So this is where things get even a little bit weirder. It's even more kind of like unsolved. You really don't know because I don't know how much you can really listen to this. In 2014, a so-called confession letter was found and it said it was in Judd's handwriting and it had been written in April 1933 and it was written to her, her attorney, H.G. Richardson. So this was written uh, before her, like, during her trial. Yeah. She stated that she planned the murder of Agnes, who was allegedly competing for Jack Halloran's attention. But she did not plan to kill Sammy and only did so after Sammy walked into the murder scene and began, began fighting with her. When was it discovered? In 2014. 24 so like she had been gone she would have for been, about yeah. 17 years that's really yeah winnie also wrote in this letter that she acted alone in the dismemberment and transportation part of me feels like this is a forced confession letter yeah was it in her handwriting was it proven it was in it her handwriting yeah that very well could have been forced yeah her attorney hid this letter though because he didn't want it interfering with the insanity plea that they were going for and maybe he knew it was forced because who knows how the police department right. was treating I have her no idea the circumstances under why she wrote this letter i don't know if it was coerced i don't know if this is the truth i mean it kind of feels truthful up until her acting alone in the dismemberment i don't think yeah. she could have done that and the transportation i think the beginning of it makes sense i don't think she acted alone in those last parts exactly now her attorney hid this letter because it didn't match their insanity plea but after he died winnie wrote to his widow asking for the letter back because she was afraid it would jeopardize her future um parole and plea hearings but the widow refused in 2002 a few years after winnie's death the letter was donated anonymously to the Arizona State Archives. Wow. Yeah. And this, so, like, the letter was technically, like, discovered in, you know, like, it was sent to the archives in 2002, but it was made public in 2014. Still four years after she died. Yeah. So I kind of think, I mean, it makes sense if the widow, like, finally, she felt like she could hand it in because Winnie was gone and her husband was gone, but you know, I have no idea. Yeah, maybe it was even, like, a kid or something. Right. <clears throat> and again, I, that is as much as, that is all I have research-wise. I really feel like this case is kind of incomplete. Oh, 
Definitely. Especially, especially with, like, how recent the deaths are mm-hmm. and how, um, like, Fucked the letter, up. how messed up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Justice for Sammy as well. Yeah. She, really. The like, fact that she didn't have any, like, no, con- there was no trial for her murder, I don't understand. And with that suspicious, like, um, confession letter. Yeah, the whole thing's just so Sammy weird. wasn't even supposed to be killed, she just walked in on mm-hmm. it. See, the confession letter does, like, like I said, up until the point of her acting alone, it makes sense that she was mad Agnes was supposedly either trying to cheat or trying to get happy to cheat or was actively cheating and she got mad wanted to kill her friend and didn't plan on killing sammy but she got in the way that part does make sense unfortunately i i still don't think it's possible that she dismembered and transported them alone i don't think she could have picked up the i don't think she could have carried those cases definitely not and she could definitely could not have expertly dismembered Mm-mm. a body. The fact that they were able to determine that in the 1930s that it was done with surgical precision really says, like, it was done well. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was also, like, the stuff with Jack the Ripper where they were like, oh, a doctor did this. Mm-hmm. Like, those were, like, one of the leading theories with, like, the clues. Yeah, it was, so the whole thing, the whole case is so weird. So weird. Really, I, I still, I, this case makes me feel very, um, unsafe. Uneasy, uneasy. And, like, I don't, there's no closure to it. There really like, there isn't. there technically is, but, like, there really isn't. I know you don't like unsolved cases because of that. Mm-hmm. Especially recent ones, this wasn't recent, but still. Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan, just because, like, with the way my brain works, I need an answer. Yeah. So, like, this one was really, the fact that I really couldn't find any, like, definites was, was hard. It's very, it's a very wild one. Yeah. All right, well, I think that about does it for our third episode. Thank you for joining us. A close to the third. Yeah. On what day is it? I hope it's the third. Ash here editing and post and I realized that we completely forgot to tell you all about our socials. Follow us at Creatures Crime on Twitter and Instagram. It's the both it's the same for both, excuse me. And we also have an email that if you want to send case suggestions to us, please do so. It's creaturespodcasttc at gmail.com. We thank you so much for listening and remember to be human.